You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. Today we're starting a brand new series naman called Even in the Impossible. And the goal of this series is basically for us to have a deeper understanding of the benevolent character of God who ministers and satisfies our felt needs through miracles. And we'll look into basically the book of Luke, the gospel account according to Luke, and we'll look at the many amazing miracles that Jesus did. For our today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 4, verse 38 to 44. And the title of our installment today is called The Miracles and the Miracle Worker. Okay, as we kick off this series, we'll talk about the miracle worker himself, Jesus. All right? So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn it to Luke chapter 4, verses 38 to 44. But I'll be looking into other verses in this chapter as well as we have this installment. But primarily on these verses, 38 to 44, it says there, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So as we just read a while ago, we are in Luke chapter 4. And interestingly, in this chapter, it shows the beginning of Jesus' ministry. All right? In verse 14, it says there that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding county. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So in this chapter, okay, in, in Gospel account according to Luke, we see the start of Jesus' ministry. He hasn't called the apostles yet. He hasn't had many disciples yet, but next start na ang ministry niya. In later verses, in verse 38, we see here Jesus doing, again, miracles. But prior to this, we have here the, the temptation in the wilderness, where Jesus overcame temptation. Okay, he was tempted, but did not sin. And he experienced rejection at Nazareth as well. He went into Nazareth, preached and taught in a synagogue, and was rejected. And sometime after that, he came to a different area naman. And in verse 38, it says here, that he arose and left the synagogue of that area and entered Simon's house. Simon here being Peter is a pretty common name about this time. He went to Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. And they appealed to him on her behalf and he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And here's the thing. We might think that in this story, simple lang, fever lang. Nothing to worry about naman. But remember, in their time and place, wala sa paracetamol. Wala well, sa mercury drug, wala well, sa mga instant nga pang ayo, wala well, sa beroka, or whatever ginabuat nato para mawala ang fever. They don't have that. And for Luke to write this, and for the people to appeal to him on her behalf, it means that she was seriously ill. Kung taas kaya ang grade ni mo sa fever, you could literally die. I know of someone during the pandemic season na he says that his temperature reached to 40 degrees. So maraga krug-krug na dyan siya. That's a scary situation. So it doesn't say here what, how high the fever was, but it says here that it's high fever, ang mother-in-law ni Simon. So she was pretty sick. She was pretty ill. Now what did Jesus do? It says here that he stood over her, some distance around her, over her, and he didn't just you know, pray for healing. 
He didn't just ask for healing to happen. But interestingly, Jesus said, and it says here, he rebuked the fever. Kung sa Bisaya pa, kikasaba niya ang hilanat. It's a pretty interesting response from Jesus. And it says here that it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. So what an amazing miracle here. Healing palang daan, amazing na. But grabe no, it says here that after the fever left her, immediately she, the mother-in-law, rose up and began to serve them. Now, I don't know about you, but anyone here, when you experience you know, a high-grade fever, even as you're healing and you're, and you're getting better, or finally you get better, you got better, but wala ka sa mood mo, get up immediately, isn't it? You're not, you're not in the mood to just get up right away and start working, start helping out people. Parang kapoy ka, di ba? ka. You want to move as slowly as possible, isn't it? And yet, we see here this story of, of a woman immediately healed of her fever, and then immediately she rose and served people. She wasn't just healed of her illnesses, but it's like willing serve the people around her. So grab ang miracle give what did Jesus. And not just that, but I want to emphasize on that word that was used in this passage, and that is the word rebuke. Jesus didn't just pray, claim, and believe for healing. He rebuked the fever. Now, a quick Google search or on any dictionary, if you will, would tell you that rebuke basically means an expression of strong disapproval or reprimand over someone or something. Or again, in Bisaya, kasaba ni mo. Interestingly, in this chapter alone, the word rebuke is used three times. Twice, it refers to rebuking evil spirits. And also, in another chapter, use putting a rebuke. I have here a, a set of verses that, that shows the word rebuke. In Luke chapter 4, verse 35, it says here, Jesus rebuked him. This is pertaining to a man who had an unclean spirit inside of him. He rebuked him, told him, be silent, and come out of him. And the demon had thrown him down in their midst, and he came out, having done no harm to the man further. In verse 41, it says here, demons, a man, talking about demons still, came out of many, crying, you are the son of God. We read this a while ago. But he rebuked them. again, And he would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And in a later chapter, in Luke chapter 8, and, and I think we're going to tackle more of that in the, in the later installments, it says here, okay, and this is the time where they were, he and his disciples were caught in a storm. And his disciples were fearful. It says here, and they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was a calm. Now, why am I showing all these things to us? This series of verses that talks about Jesus rebuking things. But he rebuked on sickness, he rebuked people with evil spirits in them, and he rebuked the forces of nature, the winds, the waves, he rebuked them. I'm showing this to all of us, church, as we talked about the miracles and the miracle worker himself, Jesus. I want us to understand this, that Jesus is greater than any illness, any force of nature, and any unclean spirit. In other words, he's just greater than anything else in this world. How great our God is. Jesus is great. He's greater than all of his things. All those examples we just showed a while ago, illnesses, unclean spirits, forces of nature, when we encounter those things, sometimes we feel powerless. Diba? We feel helpless. I mean, can you tell the storm to stop? Diba? When we were younger, might, we can't force or tell the storms to stop. Sometimes when illnesses happen, when serious illnesses, you know, cancer, pneumonia, or whatever kind of forms of illnesses, sometimes we feel overwhelmed. Sometimes we feel powerless. We can't do anything. 
whatever problems and challenges in our lives, there are times that we feel that there's nothing we can do, that we feel so small, and we feel that our problems are so big and so great. But church, as we talk about miracles, I want to remind us that no matter how great and how big the opposition, the problem, the challenges may be, Jesus is greater. And as we've seen and read in those examples and those verses, raging winds and waves that the apostles were afraid of, scared of, and guess what? Some of them were fishermen. Some of them knew how to swim. Experts sila, kabulus lana is their livelihood. Yet they were still scared. Jesus simply woke up. Imagine, have you ever woken up na medyo grumpy ka? I'm not saying grumpy si Jesus, but when he woke up, you know, he just woke up, rebuked it, umanan, umana, tapos na. There was a great calm. But men with evil spirits came in, simply rebuked them, told them to shut up. They couldn't do anything. A serious high-grade fever illness of someone's mother-in-law and probably advancing age na siya kasi mother-in-law siya. Rebuke niya ang fever, left the woman immediately. All of these things that if we left to ourselves, we might have been seemingly self-powerless, unable to do anything, yet in Jesus, even in the seemingly impossible situations, it's nothing to Him. If we talk about miracles, church, we need to understand that Jesus is greater than any illness, force of nature, and any unclean spirit. If we want to believe and move in miracles, we need to understand and embrace the truth that Jesus is able to do these miracles. And it's one thing to you know, read about it, to hear from people about it, but church, do we truly believe it? Have we embraced it? Do we anticipate it? You know, perhaps you've heard of people talk about miracles before, but you think, that, um, I'm not really sure. I, I know I've read it in the Bible, but baka taman na sa Bible ra, wala nakaroon miracles, past na ang world, and all of that. Do you truly believe that, church? Do you anticipate miracles to happen? Perhaps the one thing that's hindering you from experiencing miracles is yourself. You're not believing. You're not asking anything from God. You're not moving in faith as well. How can you expect to experience miracles even in, in the impossible if we're not even applying our faith, if we're not even using our faith, if we're not even asking anything from the Lord? Go with the Florida. How can we experience those miracles? What are you believing, Kangad Church? What are you praying to Him? No matter how big or small it may be, how are you moving in your faith? If we want to experience those miracles, we can't do so without moving in faith as well. Even if our faith is small pa. But are we moving in faith? As we talk about knowing how great Jesus is, I'm reminded of this psalm in Psalm 34, verse 1 to 3. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes it boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. This is, this is a psalm exalting and magnifying the Lord. And we might just pass over that and read that, Oh, grabe, give praise to God. I mean, we can do that naman whenever good things are happening to us. But guess what? The one who wrote this was David. And David wrote this while he was in a cave, being hunted down by Saul and his forces. And at, and at a certain point, he was all alone. So we were talking about a low point in his life, and David still wrote there, I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Even at the lowest point in his life, David was like, I will praise God. I will magnify the Lord. And the same thing with us here today, church. For any of you here today, if you are facing the seemingly impossible situation, perhaps you're facing something that you are dreading, that you are worried, that you're deeply anxious of. Perhaps you're going to go through your family right now. I don't know what it is. Could be financial. Could be health-related. Could be relational. 
could be something to do with your work or your studies. We all have difficulties, problems in our lives. But even the face of these problems, in the face of the impossible church, know this that Jesus is greater. And may we continually magnify the Lord. Because a lot of times when we are faced with the impossible, with our problems, what do we magnify? What do we keep on declaring and increasing in our minds? It's our problems, isn't it? I've talked to people before, diba? Kung may natin problema, kasi buhato na ito. Kung mag-count, we think about our problems. Kung maligot, we think about our problems. Kung mag-commute na, mag-drive na, mag-sakay ng pinigab, we think about our problems. Puro lang mo yung gitink na ito. So how can we expect to believe in Jesus for miracles? How can we expect to embrace this truth that He is able to do these things if all we're thinking, if what our mind is consuming are these very problems? Now, I'm not saying we reject reality. I'm not saying that we forget our problems. Ah, wala. Wala bills. Wala blayran. Wala problema. Okay ra. Everything is okay. I'm not saying we act like that, okay? That, that's totally different naman. But what I'm saying is even the midst of the problems in our lives, are we still thinking and worshiping and magnifying the Lord? Do we still have in our minds that, yes, Lord, not a problem, but Lord, mas dako ka, Lord. Is that what's going on in our minds, church? Are we moving in faith with that in mind? Or are we consumed to the point that we forgot that, wait, have we forgotten that we have a Lord and Savior who was able to do immeasurably more that we can think of? If we want to experience miracle church, we need to understand and embrace this truth that Jesus is able to do these things. And not just head knowledge, but deeply understand and embrace in our hearts that, you know, told you, wait, Jesus is able to do miracles. Moving forward with the story, we see here in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says here, that when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. A bit of context in this statement. When the phrase there says, when the sun was setting, this pretty much tells in their time, their culture, okay? This signifies the start of a new day. Because Jesus, when he was healing this mother-in-law, ni Simon, it was the Sabbath day. And in the Sabbath day, they had a lot of restrictions about the Jewish people. That was why during the day, towards Jesus. But when the sun was setting, and it signified the start of a new day, humanarang Sabbath, the restrictions have been lifted. Now you see all these people who had sick people in their houses were with them. They started bringing them to Jesus. Well, my restrictions. So put it nila because bawal magalsa in their time in their culture. You can't just bring anything and carry with you on the Sabbath. Now because the restrictions have been lifted, now all of these people, it says here, who had all who had any who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, brought them to Jesus. And interestingly, it says here, Jesus laid his hands on every one of them. It does not mention how many, but we can be sure that it's a great number because it didn't just say there, and some people, and a few of them, but it says there, all those who had any who were sick. And I want to highlight this point because, I mean, think about it. Who among here today, if towards the end of a day, na, 5 p.m., 6 p.m., you have a long day of work, who among you here are excited to do more work at 5 p.m., 6 p.m.? But for many of you, it's like, you can't wait to clock out. You can't wait to say, ah, umalana, that's good for the day. Pahawai na ta, tulog na ta, kaon, rest na ta, hit the sack, or enjoy watching your favorite K-drama or something. We want nothing to do to just relax na, diba? At the end of the day. And yet, here, we have Jesus. Now, interestingly, during the Sabbath, puno ang schedule ni Jesus. Let me just show a couple of verses here. 
in Luke 41, he was teaching in the synagogue. Okay? So much like what I'm doing right now, he's doing something similar. He was preaching and teaching in the synagogue. Luke 4 verse 35, he rebuked an unclean spirit before he went to heal Simon's mother-in-law. Nabashalang encounter with a man with an unclean spirit. And then after that, at the end of the day, when the sun was setting, then he started healing all these people. So despite a jam-packed day of whatever he was doing with his ministry work, Jesus made sure, as he says there in that verse, he laid hands on every one of them. He wasn't just like, all right, first five lang, then cut off na. All right, uh, kanirang mga seriously injured akong i-healed. Ako sa imong illness, sipon, come back tomorrow. Kanirang mga leprosy or something akong heal. It wasn't that. But for everyone who brought the sick around him, he laid his hands on each and every one of them. And what am I sharing this to us, church? I'm sharing this to us because I want to understand that Jesus cares for our personal needs. As we talk about anticipating, believing for miracles, perhaps for some of us, we're thinking, okay, believe. I mean, who am I to ask things from Jesus? I mean, who am I to believe things? I mean, wala naman ko. I'm just a nobody. Perhaps, padera sa mga long-term Christians, bago naman Christian and all that. What is my problem compared to, let's say, world peace or something that's more important out there? Yes, we should believe even for the great big things that involves other people. Our nation, we pray for miracles in our nation. We pray for miracles in the other nations of the world. We pray for miracles for our next generation, for our families and all of these things. But church, do not disqualify yourself from experiencing the miracles from Jesus. Far from it that we say that, ani. Because yes, on our own, kung qualifications malang, yes, dilita qualified None of us can come up to Jesus and say and demand, oh, you should give me miracles. Yes. But by the grace of God, remember, if any of you are here today, our believers, our followers of Christ, our sons and daughters of God, guess what? You have been given the privilege, the access to be called his son and his daughter. What father wouldn't want to bless his children? If our earthly parents wants to bless us, wants what's best for us, how much more our heavenly father? And so if you are a son and daughter of God, know this, you have a heavenly father wants what's best for you, wants to bless you. So do not disqualify ourselves from these things. Know that God, know that Jesus cares for your personal needs so much so that he came to address even our greatest need. When you look at the story, when you go back, yes, Jesus addressed their felt needs. Dagan sakit, unclean spirits, he casted them out, healed their sick, he addressed their felt needs. But not just that. Jesus cares for our personal needs, that he came to address our most important need. And we have that further in verse 42. It says here, And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. When it was day, after all that healing that he did on the city, the next day, he was like, you know, he went into a desolate place. A desolate means, you know, parang a place where there's no one there. So as often with Jesus in his ministry, he would find time to commune with the Father. He would find time for solitude. And the people were looking for him and they were like, <laughs> because, I mean, if you were someone and you realize that there's this person who can heal the sick, cast out demons, all that, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't want that person to leave your home or your town. They were like, just stay here with us. Okay, bring healing and all of that. They didn't want Jesus to leave. But Jesus said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God 
to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So Jesus says that this was his main thing. This is what he would do in his ministry. Yes, he did miracles. He did many amazing things. Not just in the book of Gospel account according to Luke, but in all the Gospels, you would see Jesus performing many amazing miracles. Raising all the dead, feeding of the 5,000 and all these things, turning water into wine, all these amazing miracles Jesus would continually do as well. He says that this, he was sent for this purpose. There was something far more important than performing these miracles and addressing their temporal, physical felt needs. Are their felt needs important? Yes, they were important, but there was something even far more important than that. And he says that I was sent for this purpose. He says that he must preach the good news about the kingdom of God. He taught about the kingdom in the sense that he announced the presence of the king, pertaining to himself, and corrected people's misconceptions about the kingdom of God. A lot of people, a lot of Jewish people thought that the Messiah would come and liberate them from the Roman oppressors and usher in a new kingdom of Israel in a physical sense. That was not Jesus' mission. He came to liberate them from something far more oppressive than the Roman Empire, far more evil, far more destructive, or far more worse than the Roman Empire. And so I'm saying these things for us to understand that Jesus' miracles pointed them to their greatest need. All the things that he did that made people bring their sick to him and all these people who went to seek him, went to know more about him, his miracles points to him, pointed the people to him as well, addressing their greatest need. And what was his greatest need? Of course, we've mentioned this several times, is our need of a savior, our need for salvation, our need for the forgiveness of our sins. We've talked about this when we had our communion. That for any of us here today who are believers or followers of Christ, we are able to have our new life, we are able to receive forgiveness of our sins. We're able to receive assurance of our eternity to be with our Creator at the end of the age because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And here's the thing. When Jesus says that he was sent for this purpose, this isn't actually the first time he mentioned it or referenced it in this chapter. Earlier in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, when Jesus was in a different synagogue, in a different area, he actually unrolled a scroll uh, pertaining to the Word of God still, and he read it in the synagogue. And it was a scroll coming from the book of Isaiah. And this is what the scroll said. It says here, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he's talking about this prophecy made from the book of Isaiah, reading it aloud in the synagogue. And when he finished it, it says here, he gave it back in verse 20 to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And in verse 21, he said something very interesting. He says here, he began to say to them, today, not tomorrow, not next month, not in a decade, but today, Jesus says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. For Jesus to say this, it means two things. First, he answers whom Isaiah was writing of. pertaining, who was this anointed one who came to proclaim the good news? Who was it? Jesus says, it is him. Because he says, today it has been fulfilled in your hearing. He's basically saying, ako na. And not just that, again, when will this come to pass? When will this prophecy come to pass? The answer, as he says it to the people, 
today is being fulfilled. The one the prophecy speaks of about someone, an anointed one. When we talk about that phrase, an anointed one or someone being anointed, you see, to anoint means to rub, sprinkle on or, or apply ointment or oil or liquid on someone or something. And anyone that's or anything that's anointed means you've consecrated or separated it for a specific purpose. And usually for the purposes of the Lord. Okay, like for example, a prophets would anoint kings set apart for God's purpose to lead His people and so on and so forth, many other things. And Jesus pertains here that He is that anointed one. The one who has been sent to proclaim this good news. And as He mentioned in verse 44, this was His purpose, to preach that good news. Now I want to emphasize further, I want to expound further on that passage in Isaiah as he talks about the purpose of the Lord Jesus. He says many interesting things. He says that the anointed one came or would come to proclaim the good news, set the captives free, recover sight to the blind, give liberty to those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All of these things, all these things the anointed one would do has to do with addressing our greatest problem and our greatest need, the problem of our sin. What sin does to us and what the anointed one, Jesus, would do as part of his purpose. You see here, sin impoverishes us. That, that is why Jesus says that the anointed one would proclaim the good news to those who are poor. Sin enslaves us, makes us slaves to sin. That's why we feel like we can't escape. We feel powerless with our sin. We feel like we have a new life. But Jesus sets us free. Sin blinds us. We're unaware that what we're doing is evil. Sometimes we don't know what is right from wrong if we are in our sin. But with Jesus, He gives sight to the blind. Not just physical sight, but spiritual sight. The reason why we're able to know what is right from what is wrong is because in Christ, we're able to see. Our eyes are open. Before, but now that you're in Christ, now you know what is right, what is honoring God, and what is dishonoring to the Lord. And sin oppresses us. But with Jesus, He brings liberty to the oppressed. All these things the anointed one does. And it's part of His purpose. That's part of why Jesus was sent. To preach the good news. And to make sure that good news would come to pass. And He would do all of these things. Proclaim the good news, set us free, give sight to the blind, bring liberty to the oppressed. All these things the Messiah would do. And one more thing that He also says there. He also says that the Messiah, the anointed one, will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is a reference to describe an Old Testament rule or part of his commandments to God to the Jewish people that every certain number of years, all the captives, all the slaves would be set free and debts would be canceled and a new start would begin. This is in reference to that, but through this anointed one, this year of the Lord's favor would happen that He would set the captives free. Debts would be canceled. Not just physical, not just financial debts, but debts pertaining to our sin. All of this, the Messiah would happen. And I'm saying this to us, church, to remind us that as we talk about miracles, I want us first to understand and appreciate the miracle worker Himself, Jesus. Firstly, we talked about that He is greater than anything else. You want to anticipate miracles? We need to understand that He is greater than anything else. Next, we've learned that He is personal. He cares for what we're going through. He cares about our personal felt needs. 
not just the worldwide things, but even the small things that you're going through right now, He cares for that. He cares because He was able to fulfill and address our most impossible need. And that is our need to be saved, our need to have a Savior, our need to have our sin addressed. He was able to fulfill that. So church, how much more the other things of this world? If we can address even that seemingly impossible problem, how much more the other things of this world? If you're thinking, perhaps the time of miracles is done now, ended in the times of early church, there's no modern miracles. Even in our seemingly modern day society today, miracles can still happen, church. In big ways, in small ways, even seemingly, even in, you know, in small things. You are a son and a daughter of God. For a believer, you're in Christ, you are a son and daughter of God. Would encourage each and every one of us to believe and move in miracles as well. It's not because we're worth it. It's not because we did something to earn the miracles of Jesus on our own. We cannot say, Lord, I deserve that. It's simply by the grace of God that He allows us to ask those things from Him, to believe Him so that we may experience those miracles. So today, church, I want to encourage you to move in faith and anticipate miracles in your life. It may not happen right away. It may not happen the way you expect it. But miracles can and still happen even in our modern day and age today. Move in miracles even in the impossible. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.